Guy in the Room podcast, where hopefully you'll learn something. And if you learn something, maybe you can be the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Matt Smith is with me today. Good hey, afternoon. Matt. How are you? I'm pretty good. I, uh, I know we're going to talk. Our topic today, folks, is going to just be sex. Why is it such a taboo? Why are we so confused by something so basic and, and important a component of our existence relative to humanity? Um, we're not going to get too deep as we never like to because neither Matt or me are smart enough to go that deep. But we are smart enough to know that we shouldn't go that deep. You know, before we before we get started, I, I just want to bring some, one thing up. I have a question for you, Jerry. Sure. Uh, and then today on our our Instagram page, uh, we posted a photo of you in the famous and beloved Beetlejuice from the Howard Stern show. And uh, our Facebook page is Smartest Guy in the Room podcast. Uh, what's the background on that? How did how did you and Beetlejuice hook up? Interestingly enough, I'd been invited to um, a bachelor party when I lived <laughs> in Hoboken. So it was in the city by a friend of mine. He was a stockbroker, as a matter of fact. And this was a pretty uh, expensive um, bachelor party. So they had a lot of entertainment, of which one of the features was... Beetlejuice and Baby Juice, who was either his girlfriend or his wife at one point in time. I didn't really get the full story. And I know you're a reporter, and I'll bet you love talking to people. But I have to tell you, of all the people I've talked to in my life, talking to Beetlejuice was like one of the best slash worst experiences of my <laughs> life. <laughs> he absolutely fascinates me. I mean, I think, you know, I was telling you when we were at the when I was at the gym the other day, the trainers asked everyone, like, if you could meet a celebrity, who would you want to meet? Right. I didn't say Beetlejuice, but, you know, I should have. I mean, what like, well, what's nice is the other attractions were getting more uh, people. So I had, you know, I had I had access to Beetlejuice for probably about 10 minutes to myself. I <laughs> called I actually called my brother, Joe. And put beat on the phone with them. He talked to my brother for about five minutes <laughs> about what I couldn't fucking tell you. <laughs> oh man, I just I I this I love that guy. He was great, and I mean, but it's like for I'll put it this way: it's like talking to someone who's on drugs and drunk, but also a wizard at the same time. <laughs> because one minute he's talking like cogently to me, and the next minute he's like saying fucking the square root of a Pythagorean theorem is like, he's just saying nonsense words and talking <laughs> to the voices in his head. But then he's right back in my face. Like, yo man, you're going to get me a drink, you know? And I'm like, Oh, hey, I'll get you a drink. But I hung out with them for a while. It was a blast. God, I am jealous. I mean, it's like the top five moments of my life. And again, I would never, have, I, if someone quizzed me about what famous people I'd love to hang out with, um, Probably never would have thought of, of old beat, but I, I was a Howard Stern listener from from back in the day. And he was always one of my favorite uh, whack packers. And I do feel blessed that I actually got to meet the man. And I paid 10 bucks for that picture. Best <laughs> money I ever spent. <laughs> it was worth every penny. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, we solved that mystery. Yes, sir. Good day. Let's talk about sex. Yeek. My first question to you, I like to do these things chronologically just because, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a, I like chaos, but sometimes I need a little bit of order in my life. And where I was going was, you know, masturbation. It's probably the first self-awareness moment we have in this world, right? When we're like, hey, what the fuck's going on down there? <laughs> um, true or false, though? Is masturbation a sin in the Catholic Church? Depends who you listen to. <laughs> I don't listen to anybody. <laughs> uh, I would. Well, oh, come on. We were. We were. We grew up in the seventies, right? And everything was a sin in the seventies. If you listen to anyone from the church, uh, I, I that whole issue of whether or not it was a sin didn't. I never encountered that until I was preparing for my uh, first penance. Remember, yeah. Penance? And uh, uh, confession. And um, I remember someone saying that in my re religion class. And uh, uh, all I kept thinking was, you know, I was 13 at the time. I was like, holy shit, that's a sin. And I'm going to make, I'm supposed to go and make my first confession. I'm going to start confession, like my first confession off. I'm going to start lying. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to. So. Uh, cause there's no fucking way I'm going to cop to that, you know, when I'm 13 to some fucking weirdo priest, you know? Yeah. And right when we were making our first penance, that was when the church, you know, you remember, and you'll see it in movies all the time. Someone goes to make a confession and they're in that little booth with the screen blocking, you know, separating them from the priest. Yep. Well, there was this, you know, this hippie movement in the late seventies, early eighties that took over the church that. You know, like everything else made everything like kinder, kinder and gentler. And so right, of course, when it was time for me to make my first confession, they decided that ch the church, you know, and they're one of their only progressive moves ever. They decided they were going to get rid of the uh, little booth yeah. and just have you face to face <laughs> in a room with the priest. Yeah, I remember that. And I that terrified the shit out of me. Just the prospect of thinking like I'm going to be. They expect me to stare at, in this priest's face with no wall between us and like say, hey, you know, yeah, I was whacking off. Yeah, I'm not, I wasn't doing that. So, you know, I think from an early age, I, I just didn't buy the buy the fact that it was a a sin. And so it's not I, I never cop to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I remember at least hearing that or at least I thought I heard it. But my my true problem kind of revolved around the fact that I shared a room with five brothers. <laughs> so there was no, you know, you Wait, had you no... Shared, you, there were five, there were six of you in a room? Yeah, my dad built our house, um, and he built, like, most of the houses on our street didn't didn't have anything over the garage. So my dad built, like, an additional bedroom over the garage and it extended from the front of the house all the way to the back so it was pretty fucking big and, and uh, uh, again too just for people who are first time listeners uh jerry had 11 siblings yeah so it was a madhouse and you couldn't you know there was no privacy <laughs> so 
you know, we we were pretty private people, and I tell people this to today. Like I've never seen any of my brother's dicks, and I'm pretty fucking happy about that. Okay, <laughs> that's an accomplishment. <laughs> like, Great. congratulations. Yeah, I remember Paul and I were at the gym one time, you know, and we had to get in showers, and I remember just being so like red faced and like. I don't want to look at you like go over there in the corner. So I don't have to see you, you know? <laughs> and what's funny, my poor son, I told him, you know, he's in seventh grade and he goes to this little Montessori school. that doesn't have a gym or anything. I told him, I said, you know, when you get to high school, you're gonna have to take gym class and you're gonna have to take a shower and you're gonna have to see other boys naked. <laughs> and the look of fear that came over his face made me feel really bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny because I, you know, we, showered all the time in high school you know after football practice and stuff like that yeah you know my son was an athlete in in growing up in high school and stuff and they no one on his team they never showered at school that's great didn't you stink though i mean my god yeah i mean he stunk but i just found that weird you know that is and i I, I, I was like you guys don't shower after like practice or after games and he's like fuck would we do that (laughs) It's like, I don't want to see anyone naked. Yeah, you know what's really weird? It reminds me, I was in Las Vegas for a conference one time. My buddy and I, uh, we we blew out of this big meeting because there was like so many people there. We'd never get noticed not being there. So we go to our hotel and we work out. And then, you know, there was like a pool and a hot tub and a sauna. So we're like, yeah, let's go in the sauna. So him and I get our swim trunks on. You know, we go sit in the fucking sauna. All of a sudden, these five dudes come in naked and sit down right next to us. And we just start laughing because we're like, what the fuck? And I was like 35 years old. And I started laughing just like like I was 10. Like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Now, I I won't. I won't ever sit in a sauna with a a naked man ever to this day. I mean, that was fucked up, right? It's totally fucked up. I think they were euros. No offense to European people. <laughs> they were. Uh, my guess was either they were European or they were like seventy. Seventy-year-olds love to walk around the gym with no clothes on. Yeah, but don't you like when they blow dry their balls with the hair dryer? <laughs> That's always my favorite when I see that. <laughs> God. Unreal. All right, what's the next topic here on sex? Did you have you? Had... I don't think you were done though. Where? where so where were you going with? Uh... With the brother story. No, we just, I mean, we kept it private. And so, like, I honestly don't think I jerked off till I was in my late teens or maybe even 20 years old. I I don't remember. I know, I know I fooled around, you know, with the opposite sex before I fooled around with my own hand. (laughs) Really? Put it to you that way. Oh, yeah. I swear. Wow. You were that confident, huh? No, I was afraid. I mean, we got the Catholic guilt and fear and loathing and all that shit was built in. Yeah, yeah. I think your I think your I think your mom was more Catholic than uh my mother was. Oh, my mom I'm, was totally Catholic. Yeah. My mother talked a good game, but uh I mean, your mom kind of like she walked the walk. <sighs> My mom's uh, one of those people that goes to church every day now. I mean, she's been doing that forever. Yeah, I mean, that's old school. Yeah, you know what's funny? I mean, it's a little off topic, but 
We used to on Good Friday before uh, Easter and all that. She would shut down everything in our house, like no lights, no TV. We couldn't do anything. And from 12 to 3, picture this. She made Colleen, Paul, Johanna, Matt, Jerry, Antrees, Tom, Bob, Joe, Margaret sit around our kitchen table saying like the Stations of the Cross and all that stuff and saying the rosaries. And we had to read from it. So, I mean, that's I guess that's pretty hardcore Catholic. Did you guys keep a straight face doing that? No. And Matt yeah. couldn't read to sit. I mean, uh, my one brother, I won't name him. <laughs> couldn't, he couldn't read to save his life. And we start making fun of him. I mean, it was awful. Yeah, my father, like, uh, <laughs> he he tried really hard to instill the church on us, in, in us. So, like, I remember he went through this phase where Thursdays after school, because he w- would get home early, uh, that was like a, a weird shift, a swing shift for him. So he he had some time in the early evening, late afternoon, and on Thursdays he was he decided he was going to teach us religion. So he bought uh he bought like one of these weird you know home Bible series book set you know and uh, that lasted about a month. You know, me and my siblings we just like devoured him. <laughs> we just could not take it seriously hysterical yeah see i went to i went to catholic school right so right. i was an alps boy like i was and i was into that shit and you know you make fun of me well you don't make fun of me but you know how like um we talk about when it, when i used to like getting drunk and if there was a microphone i'd just start singing bruce into it right um when i was a little kid like i sang at church and i would be like selected to sing solos and shit so i had a little training on that uh you know La 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 stuff. Right. But I was really into being an altar boy. Like like I literally considered or thought that I would become a priest eventually because it just seemed like like a cool lifestyle. And you know, it bears noting that I saw how they lived and I'm like, I thought these people took a vow of poverty because like they're richer than we are. We didn't oh, take yeah. no fucking vow of poverty. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, well, you remember we went to an uh Catholic high school yeah they had everything. and i can remember we would have to like if you got detention you'd have to like clean the friary or whatever and uh i mean this thing it was i could remember their wine room yeah you know and uh they all had stereos they all had tvs and shit my cousin's a, a jesuit priest and he seems to live like just a great life he travels all over the place and he's you know he works at universities and i mean it's just it's amazing, you know? Yeah. What I didn't know, it's like from a financial perspective, it's like the same as a nonprofit or a 501c3. It's, it's not that they can't make money. They just, uh, you know, they're not supposed to flaunt it, evidently. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. But uh, so going back to Catholic school and the Catholic yep. up, 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 uh, operator, you know, how we were raised, you, you know, we went to, uh, school with a lot of girls in high school they you know they went to we went to an all-boys school they went to all girls schools they were like considered our sister schools and you always hear this stuff about you know catholics being sexually repressed yep and i dispute that i i don't think that there was sexual repression i think 
Because there was sex. I think what what there was because of the Catholic faith was not repression, but shame afterward. Yep. The guilt and the shame. That would that's uh that's what I think. I oh, I don't I don't ever remember experiencing, you know, repression. And you always hear that. No, it's not repressed. It's just the way I think of it when I look back on it, it's a control mechanism or a tool to control people. You know, I mean, that's if you think about it, Catholic missionaries and whatnot's a little off topic, but they they did a better job taking over the world than the conquistadors did with their swords, right? <laughs> so there's something to that playing that mind game, I guess. And I could remember, you know, my sister went to an all girls school, and it was, you know, it was one of the schools where the girls we hung out with when we were in high school went to. And, you know, the joke back then, you know, she was a Catholic school and, and, you know, half of her class graduated pregnant, you know? So there was no, there was no repression. I think, I think my sister went to school with one of your sisters, but. uh, Don't you think the idea becomes like any teenage rebel without a clue? You tell a kid they can't do something. The first thing they're going to want to do is do it. You know? Yeah. Like we were talking the last time, my dad gave me a beer. It said he didn't play that game of drink 800 and I'll watch you puke. But he's like, you want to have a beer, have a beer. He he demystified it. Another, you know, he made it non-taboo, which made it less sexy to me. I was like, eh. yeah, you know, I think that's where we were going before with the sex ed. Like I never had a talk with my dad. Did you have a sex talk with your dad? I did. Uh, well. <laughs> It was weird. You know, I, I was dating a girl and it was really she was really my first serious girlfriend in terms of the first girl that I was like bringing around the house constantly. And I think my mother was like, you know, Jack, you better talk to that boy. And so so for months, you know, my father kept warning me that, you know, yeah, going to have the talk. We're going to have the talk. And he would just he wouldn't talk, but he just kept telling me we were going to have the talk and he just built it up. And so finally we were, I used to, you know, I, was, I would work f- for him when he was, had his own contracting business and we were going out to a job site one day and we were in the truck and he's like, well, he's like, I think this is a good time. We have the talk. And I was starting to freak out cause he had built this thing up for like six months and I just couldn't imagine, you know, it was like an hour drive and I was like, this is going to suck. I'm going to hear, you know, hear him talk for an hour. And he just said, this is all he said to me. He goes, you know, a stiff prick has no conscience. Don't go any bareback. <laughs> That's, That's all he said. Yeah, my dad That's said all that. he said. And I was just, and I kind of wished he talked for the hour because it was so brief and so hardcore and awful that we spent the next 59 minutes and 30 seconds in total fucking silence. <laughs> but, uh, oh. But in a way, it, it did, it, it made an impact, because I always you remember. Know, I got to ask you, how many people have you told that line to that don't even know what the fuck you're talking about? <laughs> I don't know. 
I mean, I, I wrote about it. Uh, but my question specifically is, have you told people like, hey, Billy Bob, a stiff prick has no conscience, and they look at you and go, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I've had people ask me to, to really, like, fucking break that down, you know? Uh, maybe I just assumed everyone understood it because when my father told it to me when I was, what, 14 or something, I understood it. You got so. it. Well, that's, yeah, but remember we hear, like, the dumbing down of America and all this stuff? Well, like, America is dumb. Well, yeah, but, you know, you can always be dumber. Um, <laughs> that's why we have Darwin Awards, isn't it? <laughs> We're trying. I mean, I just, I've said that to people. I'm like, hey, stiff prick has no conscience. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, you don't know what that means? I'm like, well, when your penis is hard, <laughs> you don't think very clearly. <laughs> and then once you've remediated it, you know, then all of a sudden your guilt and all your morals come back to you. <laughs> and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that without the condom. <laughs> yeah, you can, and you can never take back that remediation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think, uh, you know, it's like, whenever you hear the stories about, like, well, in Europe, they don't have drinking problems, and they don't have a drinking age, and they give kids a little wine here and there, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just in America, we had, uh, you know, all the rule, like, drinking age from 20, 18 to 21. Remember what a catastrophe that was? It really, we thought that was going to ruin America. <laughs> I can die in war, but I can't drink. <laughs> that was a I wasn't the hill fuck, you got to die on. <laughs> I wasn't gonna fucking die in any war. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I, maybe that's true. My mom, you know, was Italian, and she was, she was served wine at the dinner table, starting when she was three years old. You know, but it goes back to like, I, I was with you the day you turned twenty-one, and you're like. Going to bars has lost its funness. You're know, like, I'm 21 now. Fuck this place. <laughs> I can just go drink at home. <laughs> yeah. But it's no, like, if you demystify that's... the sex, or at least talk to kids about it, maybe they're not so apprehensive, or maybe they're not so interested in, you know, breaking, you know, breaking or, or you know, rebelling against you and your and your rules. I don't know. Yes. So, are you, do you plan on talking to your kids about sex? Uh, I already have with my son. Really? Well, you know. How old is he? He's 12. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like I had to because everything on TV is about sex. You can't escape it. Like, you know, and then I'm, I get the idea. I'm like, well, we'll just watch the Nature Channel. And... You know, then they show hippos fucking. So you, you got to do something. I'm like, hey, Quinn, do you know what those hippos are doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I did. I, I think I did after the fact, you know, when I after I found out my kids were having sex and I was like, oh, fuck. So I was just you might I think my sex talk with my son was he was dating somebody whose father was a prison guard. I was like, you know. You get her pregnant, he'll kick your fucking ass. <laughs> Those prison guards <laughs> don't play. <laughs> um, but that was more out of, you know, me reacting in fear because, uh, you know, I uh, I found out too late. But, you know, they're in their they're in their mid-20s, so uh, I guess they know what they're doing now. I mean, 
Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, my son had a girlfriend for a little time, a little while. And that was, uh, it was kind of, uh, weird because he told me about it and I told him, you know, don't tell anybody, don't tell, I go, he's like, well, should I have told you? And I'm like, next time you don't have to, if you want to, you want to ask me questions, fine. But you know, just don't tell people shit like that. They don't need to know it. He ended up breaking up with her though. And the, he gave me the best reason why it was so fucking funny. I'm like. He's like, Dad, I'm not, uh, I'm not dating the girl anymore. We we called her Mrs. X because I told him I didn't want to know her name. And uh, I go, well, are you okay? Did she dump you? I'm like, you know, are you, how are your feelings? And he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, oh. I go, so what happened? He's like, she wouldn't stop texting me, so, so I blocked her on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just so proud of him in that moment. <laughs> well, you know, that is one thing I did have to. Uh, that was way harder than a sex talk was I had to talk my son through a breakup. That was really hard on him. And uh, uh, that was tough. But, yeah. um, you know, because you don't. Having this awkward sex talk is one thing, but talking your kid through something that when you know that they're really hurt, that that's uh, that was the that was maybe one of the parental uh, moments where I rose to the occasion. For you, dude. Yeah, you know, I get dumped. I been dumped so much that you know, I knew what to say. (laughs) Yeah, my first uh, girlfriend. Women are awful. Yeah, I got dumped and then pulled back and dumped again and then taken back. I think just so I could get dumped like again. I don't <laughs> know if you went through any of that. You probably did, right? But I learned not to tell my family because they just got too much happiness laughing at me and mocking me <laughs> <laughs> relentlessly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, but I, I, hear still, I powered through it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember, did you go to uh, roller skating parties when you were in grade school? Did you have those? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, we carousel was yeah. uh, a big, yeah. you know, that carousel skating rink. And that was when, uh, you know, that's carousel skating rink is the will always symbolize the, you know, the maturation of, uh, uh, you know, the process where you be, start becoming interested in the opposite sex and uh i always had the couples dance uh, couple skate with candy moeller you remember her yeah and we, <laughs> we always used to dance if this wasn't by design just your dance i keep saying dance uh couple skate the couple skate song that was always on was she's always a, wo- a woman by billy joel <laughs> so corny and it was so funny because before skating we'd hang out behind carousel and like get drunk on boone's farm wine and you know we thought we were doing that to be cool but i'm pretty sure we were doing that to calm our nerves that's crazy in grade school huh yeah it was probably like yeah it's probably sixth grade maybe seventh i can't remember 
I don't think I did any of that stuff. I mean, we went, we had roller skating parties at Carousel, um, but I hated those couple skates. I just feel so awkward. But I don't know. Well, They're, you know, they, it was back then too. It was like you you had to develop brass balls because if you skated around and went up to a girl and asked her to skate with you and she said no, you know, you just felt fucking awful the rest for the rest of the night. And then you spent the whole rest of the night at the skating rink trying to skate by her without her seeing you. Yeah, or just like, I want to get out of here now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that, that I think I look back on it, the roller skating nights were probably way more awkward for me than like proms or semi-formals or anything like that. People used to put a lot of pressure, and sexual pressure too, on themselves for like during like prom night and shit like that. I never understood that. No, I thought proms were just for drinking and dancing like an idiot. I mean, yeah, I pretty exactly. much got that one down. Um, yeah. No, I had fun. I had fun at the prom, the proms. I actually enjoyed the prom picnics better or more. I would say. Remember we'd go to the park, the chestnut Ridge stuff and just drink all day and eat hot dogs and shit. Yeah. That was more my scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. You know, going back to the repression issue or, um, it's not, it, it's, it extends beyond the Catholic church though. I mean, America on a whole has a real conservative, uh, attitude towards sex, which is weird because they use, you know, America uses sex to sell shit. It's like a paradox. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I've always found that kind of fascinating and, and frustrating, frankly, but what do you make of that, Jerry? No, I've read that, especially like in Europe and some of the other parts of the world where they have just, uh, more relaxed social norms and whatnot. But I guess it goes back to how our country was founded by people escaping religious persecution only to recreate, you know, this rigid conservative, you know, like uh, I always say like all the Protestant Catholic derivatives that, you know, whether it's Baptist or whatever, Lutheran, I mean, it's just a controlling mechanism and we are really controlled. If you ever went out and moved out and lived out West, it's a little different out there, but the uh -huh. norms are still the same right. in the expectations. I think there's a little more, um, you know, I, I hate to use the word suburban prostitution mentality, but uh -huh. there's always some kind of quid pro quo. I don't right. give, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's an exchange, whether you want to admit it or not. Not you personally, but just the world in large. I don't well, know. Speaking of that, I, I noticed uh, a growing debate on social media of, of whether sex workers are workers. You know what I mean? Like legitimate workers. So they should be considered legitimate workers. And I don't know where I stand on that. It's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I can see the government wanting their... They're uh, wetting their beak, you know, with respect to collecting the taxes. Um, they always want their cut. 
but at the same time, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys. What's the word they call? Is it incel? Like, that's a real problem. And we talked, you and I talked a while back about that Jordan Peterson character. Right. And, the, you know, his biggest following, supposedly, if I listen to certain media people, is this group of incel guys. And these are the guys, to use an old-fashioned frame, Matt, that couldn't get laid in a whorehouse with a fistful of 50s. You know what I mean? <laughs> the vast majority of them. Right. You know, I, I probably was a former and still... I mean, I could get laid if I had a fistful of 50s, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Although I haven't put that to the test yet. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you got to, these poor bastards need some kind of outlet. And then porn, you know, that's addictive. And it's pretty disgusting. You know, you look at it now. I mean, that was one of my aversions to strip clubs. And I used to have to work in Las Vegas in Reno. Uh-huh. And, um, my customers always wanted to go to strip clubs, you know? Right. And I hated it because, again, you know, the thing, the only stripping that really goes on there is you being stripped of your money. And, yeah. You know, and the girls, oh, you know, I've had guys like, oh, she really likes me. And I'm like, how much money did you give her again? <laughs> and what did you get for that? Oh, yeah. I, I've, never, to- I've never been a strip club guy or a porn guy. It, it all seems kind of, uh, I don't know, man, just really... It feels exploitative to me, and I know you know there's a uh, an argument that you know it some it, for some it's empowerment, but I don't know, man. You know, uh, I guess it goes back to maybe having a daughter, or uh, yep. you know, or I may, maybe it does. I don't know, but it's just never been my scene, and it's it always seemed kind of creepy and cheap. And uh, uh, s- real skeevy. I feel the same way about like porn, you know. And and I do think I I'm not a prude and I'm not conservative, but I think uh, I think to some extent that kind of stuff is is destructive. Um, but going back to like to the sex workers. You know, maybe there's, you know, whether it's legit, whether we should consider it legitimate work, you know, maybe that is a way to, uh, similar to making drugs legal, you know, you take the black market out of it. If you make sex work legal, there's, you're attacking sex trafficking, you know, and, um, you know, I, I don't know, I haven't made up my mind about that, but the, uh, the whole porn world and the whole, uh, Strip club world, just not my scene, man. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's funny because to your point, I remember walking into a strip club and thinking, you know, at first, like, okay, whatever, this is fun. I'm going to get a beer and watch girls take their clothes off. And I'm telling you, after about 10, 15 minutes, you just start feeling bad for them, <laughs> you know, and you look around the room at the pathetic looking guys and then you go, oh, yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> And then I feel more depressed than, than before I went in. <laughs> I think every time I've been to one of those things, it's just been like as part of like a stag party, you know, like yeah, so your buddy's getting married. So I we did go to we did when I got married, uh, they took me to all the strip clubs in uh, Canada and uh, over the border in Fort Erie near Buffalo and. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I remember that they, this is, I ended up getting really drunk that night. So I don't remember much, but when I was still sober, I remember they brought me up on stage and I had nothing on but my tidy whiteies and black socks. And they, they put a belt around my neck and <laughs> walked me around like a dog, oh, God. you know, uh, and everything from there went downhill for the, the next five hours. It got pretty out of hand, but, uh, uh, I think even then I wanted to, I think, you know, I wanted to leave and we went somewhere else and, uh, who knows? Well, no, you know, for some people it's just not your scene, but you know, one of the topics that I'm, I'm not, I guess it's like a morbid curiosity, but we had something in North Carolina in one of our towns. So I don't know if it's an urban legend but um, supposedly there was a neighborhood where they would have key parties all the time. Okay, you know what a key party is? Yes. Uh, I think everyone does know, but you know, it's a bunch of couples, married people. They go to neighbor's house. Let's say there's 10, 15 couples. They throw their keys in a box, and then you, someone randomly pulls out keys, and then you got to have sex with whoever's keys you pulled out. Um, so obviously it's like a big swinger type party. Um, what, if, what if I pulled out your keys? Well, I think just to get, you know, I don't know. Then we would have to do it obviously because peer pressure and all that, <laughs> but I get to be the man. Um, no, but here's the kicker. So s- someone introduced, uh, an STD to this fun time <laughs> and the whole group ended up getting like chlamydia or something. <laughs> Good, they deserve it. <laughs> that is problem solved there. Yeah. So. so you know, I I thought I didn't know that they were still a thing. I thought that I I know that they were a big thing in the seventies during the sexual revolution and uh, even that. You know what's really weird? You know, Sylvester Stallone was in some kind of porn in the seventies, like called Stud or something like that. You ever hear that story? I had heard that he was in a porn. Yeah, well, I actually saw some of it at one point in time, and it was so awkward. I just I felt bad for him. I felt (laughs) they showed like all these people in a bed naked, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, they're all trying to act, and then that's just even adds another layer of awkwardness to it. Like, I don't know what kind of money, and I don't, I don't think porn people get, like, you know, they don't get what Leonardo DiCaprio gets, right? right? So you're not really getting a lot of money to just really devalue yourself as a human. And I think that's the big problem with legalizing it, is you're really debasing your humanity. And whether you want to accept that or not, you know, that's entirely up to you. But I, I feel if you're someone with any sense of fucking dignity or self-worth, that's what you're doing to yourself, and it's not a good thing. That said, I've debased myself many times <laughs> <laughs> for free. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny that one of there's a movie called The uh, Ice Storm with Kevin Klein, and uh, I think the opening scene takes place at a, uh, a key party. I've never been to one. I didn't really think they exist, but I do. We, we got to get wrap this up. So I got one story. If you got one story, get it ready. So I'll shoot with mine. So um, I went down to the beach about a year ago 
Uh, my wife gave me like a four day hall pass. So I went by myself to just to sit in this little condo on the beach and write. Uh, it was pretty good. And I actually got a lot done. I didn't really drink much, but I had a, I had a good time. So anyway, to the point of the story, after a day of awful writing and just walking around on the beach and doing a lot of nothing, like listening to YouTube, um, I go out to get dinner. I go to this little beach bar and I get some tacos and I get a beer. There is an elderly couple. And when I say elderly, Matt, I'm talking 65. They're not attractive. They're old. And they're bombed. And they're sitting next to me at the bar. And what do they do? They ask me if I want to have a fucking threesome with them. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at the lady. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? And I just start laughing at her. <laughs> and, the, and the girl bartending knew what they were up to. So she's laughing. And then I see some dude, like, kind of like over on the, because it's like a U-shaped bar. He's on the other side. And he starts laughing. He goes, he goes, hey, they already asked me. So <laughs> now they're coming for you. <laughs> and I was just like, what a fucking weird night this is. And I like, I couldn't even finish my beer. I went back and just like, I wrote a story about it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's I perfect. A story or we can end it there. Well, I think the, you know, one of the, the along that line, uh, just if you want to go along that line, I, I remember, um, I was in my mid twenties and, uh, we were out at a bar and the bar shut down and one of the people at the bar decided they were going to have an after hours party. And, uh, I had been hanging out with this guy and this girl who I didn't even know, but I had been hanging out with them all night and I followed them to the after hours party. And, uh, you know, everyone ended up getting just, we were drinking to like five in the morning and I ended up getting, I was just wasted. So, I fell asleep somewhere. I fell asleep in some bedroom on a, on the floor. And the next morning I woke up and uh, the guy that I had been hanging around with, who was, you know, buddies with the girl, <laughs> I wake up, my eye opens. His face is like three inches away from my face. Uh, and he's just staring at me. Uh, and it's taken me a couple minutes to come to and it's also taken me a couple minutes to realize what's going on yeah. and then i'm and then it hit me and i'm like this guy's gay <laughs> <laughs> so he raises his eye he's like he's got his like face on the ground just like with like i do and he's staring at me and he he raises his eyebrow and he gives me a smile and you know when you're in your 20s you always everyone's always like if a gay guy always hit on me if, guy, if a gay guy hit on me i'd kick his ass you know so here's like, here's my test. And this is way before political correctness and anything else like that, you know? So I wake, you know, it's, it's starting to dawn on me what's happening and I don't reject him. I don't kick his ass. I got up and I ran out of the house and I ran all the way home. Like I was running for my mother. <laughs> I ran like five blocks and I don't, I don't, I mean, that was my reaction. That's so beautiful. I never saw that guy again. Thank God. I missed my chance. <laughs> All right. That's a good story that we can end on that note, buddy. Hey, have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. All right. All right, brother. Stay free. You too. Bye-bye.